Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. It is time for us, we being The Approach Shot. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. Because we think we're professionals, you and I. Yeah. <laughs> Think being the, the we, we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt at times. Yes, there you go. Last week's guest, Jeff Montgomery, mm-hmm. is a total pro. Granted, he saved three hundred plus games for the Kansas City Royals, and he's a broadcaster and stuff. And I don't know if you got this, but his daughter-in-law was due any second while we were doing the podcast. As soon as we finished, I send an email that says, "Hey, you were great." really enjoy talking with you. Any news on the baby? And he said, yes, she had the baby. So <laughs> while we're doing the podcast or really shortly after she had the baby and nothing straight faced, nothing. He didn't say as we're doing it. Oh, sh- geez. I just got an email, um, a, a text. I, I got to go. Cause nope. He just did the whole show. So congratulations, Jeff. Uh, The baby is a girl named June. Welcome to the world, June Montgomery. And that will be one of the family stories in perpetuity now. Absolutely. Like grandpa wasn't at the hospital the day you were born. (laughs) Hey, maybe he'll remember us that way. Uh, Do you remember what you were doing at the time? Yeah, I was doing the Approach Shot podcast. What do you think? (laughs) Any chance of that? I was uh, involved in um, working for an electronics company in Atlanta when my first child was due. And my wife was extremely late, or the baby was extremely late, however you want to look at it. Canon, the company I was working for, had a large sales meeting at the former Playboy Resort or somewhere in New Jersey, Great Gorge, New Jersey. I was told by my sales manager that I had to be there. So, okay, I'm not going to argue. I was sitting at the awards dinner. The PA system paged me. I had a phone call. Sure enough, wife was in the hospital giving birth. And the Japanese gentleman who ran the Atlanta Southeast Division of Canon berated me for being at the meeting. Ooh. He said, no, family, more important, you go now. I was not allowed back in the meeting, in the dinner. I was told to sit there and wait for the car to arrive because I had been booked on the first flight out of Newark in the morning. Wow. And they drove me to Newark Airport. I got a 615 flight to Atlanta. But while I was waiting, and this gives you insight into my personality, I decided I would call the hospital to see how my wife was doing. I was talking to the receptionist at the hospital at two o'clock in the morning. And I said, I'm trying to check on, you know, Rochelle's name to see how she's doing. She's in labor and delivery. And the woman said rather tersely, sir, if you are a friend of the family, I'm sure you will be called by the father when the child is born. (laughs) At which I just said, lady, I am the father. I want to talk to my wife now. (laughs) Well, that yeah. Father of the Year award is going to have to wait a year or so. <laughs> That's why we had a second child, just so I can make up. Do it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. We have our grandbaby is at home and he's, don't shoot me if I get it wrong, 17 months now, I think 18 months. And this is the week that he has just started really walking. So he, you know, he had been doing the the speed crawl and he would pull himself up and take a couple steps and fall back down. Well, now- right across the room. So everybody has got roller skates on trying to chase this kid. (laughs) And it makes me remember how busy things can be. And when things get this busy, you know, what would be great 
if somebody would deliver food to our house, wouldn't that be great if there was a way for someone or some company to deliver food to your house so you don't have to worry about that? You know, you may have a million dollar idea going here. I may. <laughs> I, I mean, I would have to do a lot more than just think of the idea, but it just, it <laughs> does sound great to, and, and not just food, like fresh food that you can cook yourself. Maybe, maybe even if, if it was not just fresh food, you could cook yourself, but seasonally appropriate food. Ooh, yeah. Change it per season. I like that. Yeah. I don't want to burst your bubble or anything, man. Yeah. You ever heard of HelloFresh? Well, they oh, do that. They they do somebody that. already does it. <laughs> and, uh, and I also don't want to tempt you because yeah. I know your situation. Yes. They offered desserts from their HelloFresh market, and you could have picked the apple cider cake with caramel sauce uh, or the uh, barbecue pulled pork nachos. Stop it. And also a mini pumpkin cheesecake. Oh, now you're killing me. Yeah. Those those are all fall add-on choices. Well, that's interesting because when they were doing the summer foods, we had talked about this. They made a lettuce wrap that I've never experienced anything like. I've been to P.F. Chang's. I thought their lettuce wrap was terrific, and it is. But the lettuce wrap that we got from HelloFresh was remarkable, as were the pork chops and the chicken and, and green beans. But now you're saying... For fall, there are specific foods to fall. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. And you know something else? You're talking about how busy and fast and life gets and stuff. Yeah. Hello Fresh not only takes the hassle out of you trying to think of what to cook and how to cook it and stuff like that, but it also saves you money. You know, it's cheaper than grocery store shopping, 25% less expensive than takeout. So that means you have wow. less stress and more money back in your pocket. And the food is probably more delicious because they get a little more involved in the recipes than most of us would ever take the time to get. You know, that's an interesting point because I got to tell you, I take out the trash for the family and probably every Thursday when we take out the trash, my wife and I go through the refrigerator and throw out the food that's gone bad. Mm. So with HelloFresh, you get a box, you get all of the things that you need inside that box. You take it out. It's already proportioned for you and you cook it and it's cheaper than grocery store. Wow, that's brilliant. And have we got a deal for you? Do we? We got a deal? <laughs> we got a deal. Come Go on. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 approach. That's 50 approach. And then use the code 50 approach and you'll get 50% off plus free shipping. All right? Wow. HelloFresh.com slash 50 approach. Use the code 50 approach. 50% off plus free shipping. And food more delicious probably than anything you've cooked for yourself yet this year. Do it right now. And, and HelloFresh, of course, is America's number one meal kit. Now you know why. Well, one of the things that I think is an offering for HelloFresh, maybe not in the fall, but maybe in the spring and summer, would be fish. And we have someone on the podcast today that knows something about fish. Is it fish or is it mammal? Well, it could be either because he is the host of the Fish Tank podcast. Okay. <laughs> but the second part of that is Dolphin Tales from the Deep. So you're right, you could go either way. <laughs> we'll be right back with that aforementioned guest. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home? and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help, then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. 
If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-500-2021. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-500-2021. 800-500-2021. That's 800-500-2021. And thanks for hanging and for coming back. We are The Approach Shot. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. And with us today... A person like we teased who knows a little bit about fish and dolphins and stuff. He might have played a little bit in Miami. Our guest today, we're thrilled to have OJ McDuffie with us. OJ, welcome to the show. Man, guys, thank you. I'm, I'm glad we're finally able to make it happen, man. This is going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm a little nervous now, Neil. I'm going to tell you that right now. You know, John, I'm a little nervous because there's some mystery going on here, but I'm ready for it. I'm up, I'm up to the challenge. Okay, so I, I have to I have to preface this with the big story. The big story was that when the approach shot decided to take a hiatus, Juice was going to be our next guest. <laughs> he was on deck, as it were, and then mm-hmm. we decided we were going to take a hiatus. So we've been waiting over a year to talk to you, and nothing's changed in your life in a year, has it? <laughs> Oh, no, never. <laughs> a year later, man, there have been some changes, obviously. I mean, I mean, when it comes to my team, the Dolphins, when it comes to my team, Penn State, but when it comes to like what I'm doing for the Dolphins and with the team, it's it's definitely changed. But no, nothing other than that, though. Everything else is pretty much status quo. Let's uh, let's do what we do. We like to give the stats and tell everybody who you are in case they were under a rock during your playing days. We're not born yet. Yeah. It was just two different. <laughs> First round draft pick of the Dolphins in 1993. He went to Penn State and played under Joe Paterno. Played eight seasons in the NFL. Made 415 career catches, which is fourth in Dolphins history. 29 career receiving touchdowns and two return touchdowns over 5,000 career receiving yards and over 2,000 return yards and was Dan Marino's favorite receiver, as you can see by his shirt, fastest show on turf. But he also (laughs) played baseball at Penn State for a season and was drafted by the California Angels, started his NFL career as a returner only, but obviously quickly became one of the all-time greats. And I'll give you some more of the stuff about the fact that in 1998, he caught 90 passes to lead the NFL. In 98, he also became the first player in NFL history to catch 90 balls and return 10 or more punts without a fumble. And in 2013, he finally got the recognition he should have had before then by getting his place in the Dolphins Walk of Fame. We've got so many more stats and things, but we'd rather get in and just talk to you. Yeah, the hell with all that, man. That that means nothing, bro. Get rid of it, man. That, those numbers mean nothing. Let's get let's get back to the real stuff, right, Neil? <laughs> let's get back to the real stuff. All right. So <laughs> let's start with the fact that you were Dan Marino's favorite receiver. And by the way, that's on the internet. That's not me saying that. And if it's on the internet, it's obviously true. <laughs> I, I put that on the internet. That's why, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, my Wikipedia page, I did all that. Who, I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't, you know, change their Wikipedia page and make it work out in their favor? Uh, Marino, and, Mar- Marino's in there scratching it. Putting, <laughs> right. As was Clayton and Duper. 
Well, see, the thing about it is Marino, he, at, at his age, he doesn't even view Wikipedia. So he has no idea what I'm doing on the back end. You know, so it's like <laughs> he, he has no idea what I'm doing behind his back. Have you seen the commercial that they're running out you know, during the NFL games? I think it's for Lay's where he and Emmett Smith and um, a couple other guys are talking Randy about. Randy Moss and, yeah, Randy Moss and Jerry Rice, yep. That's right. I, th- I thought, I knew it was Moss. I thought it was Rice. And they're talking about getting back and suiting up again. Fact that Marino <laughs> at one point is playing, is supposedly playing in the game, and he has to put his readers on and is looking <laughs> down at his arm to see what the next play is. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to tell you what, I get on Danny to this day about those damn readers, man. When he wears those readers, it makes us all look old, man. I said, bro, you don't, you don't need to put readers on all the time and get some glasses that have the readers on the bottom and nothing on the top and just wear those all the time instead of having them on your head or having to put them on in the commercial, which was a very nice effect. I did love the fact that you know he's trying to read the play on his wrist and he had to put his readers on. Very well done by Lays and that, that whole commercial in general. I really feel old, man. I went to work in Pittsburgh, Marino's senior year, and we carried Pittsburgh games on the radio. Man, he's he's old and retired, and I'm still here talking into it. Yeah, I know that's right. Was that uh, is that Pittsburgh High School or Pitt College? Pitt College. Okay, okay. So it's not too bad. Not not too bad, bro. Not too bad. You know, I can't really talk about that because you know how Penn State and Pitt feel about each other. I mean, Danny and I had a tough time getting going because of that. I said, Danny, man, at some point I said, bro. We're not in college anymore. You got to get over this Penn State stuff. We got to figure out how we can work together as Miami Dolphins players, bro. You know, and I, I think he, I think he figured it out eventually. Yeah, it, it looks it like would it. appear so. Yeah, <laughs> it would appear as though he did. So you were drafted by the California Angels. Did you yeah. think about baseball? I did. I, I really did. Um, one thing I did um, before I went to Penn State was I looked at the schools I looked at. I want to make sure that I could do both. Uh, I played baseball since I was six years old. I played baseball before I played football, and I played baseball continuously until I, uh, you know, went to college. And Coach Joe Paterno, one of the things he said I could do was play football and play baseball, and that was important for me for my decision to, to you know, to go or select my whatever university I was going to go play for. And the, the couple of years I got at Penn State, they were great. And obviously, I got an opportunity still with the with the California Angels once they drafted me. Obviously late, you know, I think 41st round I got drafted. But at the same time, though, they weren't sure I wanted to play baseball or wanted to play football. But when they showed up and talked to me, I reassured them that the signing bonus was so minuscule for the California Angels that football was definitely my path, you know, to, <laughs> to, to prosperity. <laughs> so you got to play under Joe Paterno and Don Shula, two of the greatest, obviously, of all time. John asked a question of a guest that we had within the last couple of weeks. How important is a coach or a manager to you? How important was what they brought to the table versus, and, and what did they bring out of you? Yeah, it was very important. Uh, for Joe Paterno, honestly, I was not a big Penn State fan growing up. Uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm from Ohio, a huge Buckeye fan. And we talked about some of my recruiting stuff, but I mean, there were quite a few schools that I was looking at and, and deciding which way I want to go. And Penn State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, UCLA were my final five schools. When I went to my last visit, my last visit was to UCLA. And when I got back home, that Monday morning, I got a, a FedEx package, a seven-page letter from Joe Paterno talking about the pros and cons of going to Penn State. It wasn't wow. all about everything is you should go here, but he was worried about my trip to L.A. He really was. He's like, <laughs> we got we can't compete with California weather, but we can kind of compete with everything else. And sure enough, they could compete you know, with everything else. So I think the fact that with Joe, I just felt more comfortable at Penn State. 
everything about it off the field was so much what I was looking forward to and looking for in a, you know, in a university to go to. I loved all the other universities, but that right there was seemed like a perfect fit. My mom wanted me to go to Notre Dame because everybody at my high school are trying hard to get in Notre Dame. Notre Dame was asking me to come there free of charge. So my mom was like, you need to go to Notre Dame. I'm like, mom, let's just, you know, those, those are my last two choices, but I, you know, Penn state, I'll, I'll, you know, obviously won out at the end of the day, but you know, it was really more about Joe Paterno and uh, what he meant at that university that just made my decision to go there. So the kid from Ohio that didn't go to Ohio state, but went to Penn state instead and was looking <laughs> at Michigan. I mean, did the family disown you? It was getting close, John. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, they were, I mean, I had some family members involved in my decision-making. The thing about Ohio State, they had just fired Earl Bruce. And Earl Bruce was the guy that I grew up loving. I was a huge Ohio State fan. I watched the game on Saturday on TV, and then I wake up early and watch the game again on Sunday morning when they played a replay. We didn't have a VCR or anything. It was just, a, you know, TV. <laughs> Everybody's TV in Ohio was glued or, you know, positioned for Ohio State football. And so I was a huge Ohio State fan. But then they fired Earl Bruce and brought in John Cooper. And my mom and I just felt like it wasn't a good fit for us. Uh, Michigan was it was it was an option. But I knew I could not go from Ohio to Michigan like some of my friends did. Desmond Howard and Elvis Gerbach, they they jumped, you know, went north and went to Michigan out of Ohio. But it, it just wasn't in my in the cars for me at all. None of those guys are allowed back home again. They're, they're having trouble. They go back. I, I mean, I see dads get booed all the time there. So I don't know. It's, I mean, that's what you that's what you ask for, dads, when you yeah. decide to jump the border. Desmond's knocking at your door on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Come on, Juice, please. My parents won't let me back. Even <laughs> the parents. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I want to get into some of these other stats because I know you said they're nothing. But I think it's interesting. We talk to a lot of baseball players. Obviously, we talk to people in golf. Sports have gotten so stat crazy, but it kind of blows my mind that some of these things that should be more important than they are kind of get glazed over. So let's go through a couple of them. You led the league in receiving touchdowns in 95 and 96. That's the best you can do as a wide receiver is lead the league in touchdowns. And yet, I don't know, maybe it is, is it just, are there too many stats? And so you can't sink, people can't sink their teeth into something like that. Yeah, there are a lot of numbers out there. You know, and a lot of my numbers, I think a lot of my numbers happened so late in the season. Uh, I know when I led the league at 98 in receptions, 30 grabs in the first eight games, another 60 the last eight. And by that time, everybody's mind was already made up. I think the voting was pretty much made up uh, when it came to Pro Bowl and all things like that. Same time, though, my, my, my stats might have been good, but, you know, are they that that bold where people look up and say, oh, OJ had 150 yards and three touchdowns. No, they weren't like that. It was more like I had 100 yards this game, you know, 98 yards this game, seven grabs this game, all of them for first downs usually. But there's nothing like mind-blowing when it came to my numbers. I think the best thing about me is that the Dolphins recognize what I, what I did for the team. Some people don't appreciate it. I, I, I deal with them on social media a lot, which is fun for me, too, at this age. Uh, but at the same time, though, man, you know, my numbers were what they were. And um, I, I'm happy that I was, as you talked about, I'm, you know, inducted into the Walk of Fame. But we got some great Dolphins that have been part of our organization. And I'm just happy to be mentioned in the same breath as most of those guys. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing group when you think about it. There are two or three people we have had on this show in sports. Fred Lynn, Dale Murphy, Richmond Webb, who it just makes me crazy that they aren't in the Hall of Fame. To me, the Hall of Fame means that you dominated 
when you played. No defensive lineman woke up and was like, yay, I get to play against Richmond <laughs> Webb. They just didn't. And so if you were that dominant or if you were Dale Murphy and you hit 40 home runs or if you were Fred Lynn and you were the MVP and the rookie of the year, how do guys like that not end up? And the answer is because they didn't play long enough. Just it makes me crazy when I hear guys like that who absolutely belong in the hall and aren't there. Yeah, well, I know Richard Webb for a fact. This got to be close to next line. You know, Dolphin fans have been clamoring for him to get in. Him, Mark Clayton, and, and uh, Kuchenberg. We got a few guys that need to be in the Hall of Fame and that deserve yeah. to be in the Hall of Fame. Now, Dale Murphy, like I grew up in Ohio, as you know, but watching well, the, the Braves all the time, you know, you had WTBS, so you had WGN, so you had Chicago, or you had Atlanta. And it? it was like watching him play was incredible. So the fact that he's not in yet, you just broke some news to me that he's not in because he definitely should be. Sometimes they have to wait for their time to go into the hall, but sometimes the halls wait too damn long, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, sometimes they're worried about too many guys from the same team going in at the same time. That makes no sense to me. If, if guys deserve to be in the hall, get them in the hall while they're able to enjoy it. If they deserve to be in the hall, put them in the hall while they can go there and enjoy the festivities and get their flowers like they deserve because they've earned them. We've got a lot more we want to talk about, man. We got a lot more to talk about that we got time to do it in. That's the problem. <laughs> That's <But> right. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. And we're going to talk golf and, and some other numbers. We are the approach shot. We have OJ McDuffie as our guest. So you damn well better stay right near that. We hear that a lot at chickendinnercasino.com because we have so many winners. That's because we have so many ways to win, including slots, blackjack, poker, and more. Of course, you can step into our sports book and bet on any sport, including college football, the NFL, and Major League Baseball, with some of the best bonuses around. But don't take my word for it. Hey, this is Ricky Williams, former Heisman Trophy winner and all-pro NFL running back. Hey, this is Ryan Sandberg, Chicago Cubs Baseball Hall of Famer, number 23 retired. Hey, guys, it's Brad Sham. I am the radio voice of the Dallas Cowboys. Be a winner by playing chickendinnercasino.com. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. You can be a winner by playing today at chickendinnercasino.com. And our listeners get special offers. Just go to chickendinnercasino.com slash sports. That's chickendinnercasino.com slash sports, and you could be a winner winner today. And we are back, the Approach Shots. Our guest, OJ McDuffie. I am John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. And Juice, I want to talk to you a little bit here about the Fish Tank podcast, because we teased that a little bit earlier. Dude, I, I look and I see that you've got 160 some episodes. You, I, I thought you started this, I don't know, six months, a year ago, but you've been doing this for a while now. Yeah, man, it's amazing. It really is, Neil, because uh, my man, Seth Levitt, who was the brainchild of this whole operation when it comes to the Fish Tank podcast, we started doing this podcast on my pool table at my house. And I did, and he came up with, we're sitting there, we're talking about, you know, every time we go somewhere, these former players, and all they do is talk about everything other than being on the field. No X's and O's type of stuff, but just all these anecdotes, being in the locker room, being on a road trip. And we're like, man, this is some great stuff that needs to be out there. And the content is incredible. And we know a bunch of, a bunch of guys that, that we can actually go out there and do it. So yeah, we started doing it on my on my pool table. Then we went into Seth's, you know, office. He works for the Jason Taylor Foundation. And then finally the Dolphins, like, 
we want your content. And so they build a studio for us within the facility in order for us to get there. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's a, there are a bunch of episodes and some guys we want to bring back because, you know, now that we've made it to the Dolphins facility, a lot of people haven't heard some of the stories from when we first started, when we were just amateurs in the podcast game. And obviously podcasts are the way to go. So we were kind of, we feel like we're kind of pioneers to the podcast game where some people were just getting started on it. You definitely at 160 episodes, you definitely are, are have been around. So I am going to call you out on this because this was probably the funniest thing that I have seen. Well, this week for sure. If you follow Juice on Twitter, you'll note that there was a conversation that is just posted on Twitter today about you <laughs> and fishing. Apparently, you and your boys the Channing's house. fishing in, in his backyard, and these guys, these big athletic men go in the backyard, <laughs> and they start to fish. Our guy, OJ, is petrified of fish and the bait to the <laughs> point where one of them goes to cast. And you pulled a, whoa, and <laughs> fell backwards on the grass. Neil, I was worried more about the hook. This is my story, and I'm sticking to it. I okay. was worried, more, worried about the hook instead of the bait. Honestly, worried about both. I don't touch the bait, and I don't touch the fish, so I don't know why I fish in the first place. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it looks great. I'm not that tough, you know, when it comes to land and sea. I'm only tough on the land when it comes to football. That's that's it. I tell people all the time, man, because ask me for like fishing. I love like to catch fish. I hate waiting. Right. Right. No, it's right. Sitting I around doing nothing that really gets me, man. John, that's a great point. I don't like going fishing. I like going catching. You know, yes. it's a different world, right? Yes. It's like some people just want to go. I don't want to go fishing. I can go on a boat and just hang out. That, uh, that makes no sense to me. I don't fish. I like going catching. And once I catch, somebody's got to take it off the hook, though. No matter that's what. Right. You know, if I'm just going to sit <laughs> around I was and drink say, beer, I'll do it while I'm playing golf, man. Don't let him off the hook, John. Come <laughs> on. The, the man went I see what you did there. <laughs> three or four of his friends fishing in a backyard. This is not a charter boat. Nope. This is, you ain't got no captain. You don't nope. have somebody hooking it for you. You went back there with your friends. What did you expect? Yeah, I expected to just, you know, get some B-roll, you know, some content and, you know, and I would <laughs> let everybody else handle all the other stuff. That's, that's all. You know I mean? I, you know, I, I, I admitted that I'm, I'm, I'm soft when it comes to fishing, man. You, you've, you've chartered a boat before. How much work do you do when you charter? All you do is when the fish is on, you grab the, the, the rod, you know, that you bring it in, they grab it, they hook it, whatever they got, gaff it, whatever they have to do. And then next, you know, you post for a picture. That's what I was trying to yeah. do. I was just trying to pose for a picture. That's it. Are are you equally scared on the golf course or is that someplace you feel safe? I feel safe. Everybody around me should not be feeling so safe. <laughs> that that's the difference with me on a golf course. I mean, yeah. I, I um yeah, I love to go out there and swing it, but man, look out left and right. That's for damn sure. Do you play in a lot of charity type tournaments? That's usually all I play in. I probably get about maybe 10 to 12 charity events a year. The first thing that I ask the group, I say, who's gonna carry us today? That's my first question. Who's gonna carry us today? And they're thinking I'm going. I say, no, I'm gonna make sure we have a fun time, you know, we'll have some laughs. I got to find out if they want to drink beers or they want to drink vodka or if they want to drink water. I just got to fill them out first. But as long as I can make sure they have a good time for that five to unfortunately, sometimes six hour event that we go out to. <laughs> we were talking to Jeff Garcia of the 49ers a little while back, and he said kind of the same thing. He's like, people will look down and they say, hey, we got Jeff Garcia. He's an athlete. He's going to be the guy. <laughs> you know, after three or four holes, they realize I'm here for the entertainment value. <laughs> it kind of yeah. sounds like you. What's even worse, Neil, is that sometimes they'll be like, oh, we had so-and-so last year. We had Nat Moore last year. I'm like, oh, well, you're not going to get Nat Moore player today. Please don't <laughs> tell me who you had last year. If that's your guy, 
you guys had a chance of winning it with him. You you don't have you have zero chance of winning it with me. That's for damn sure. <laughs> you don't want to pair up with with a celebrity on your team for the intrinsic winning value because what are you going to win? Hundred dollar gift certificate at the right. pro shop or something, right? Right. You want the fun. You want the camaraderie, and you want to be able to say, "Hey, I spent five and a half hours with OJ McDuffie. He's a friend of mine now." Right, right. And I'll tell them stories for days, stories that I don't even uh, talk about on my own podcast. So I make sure they sign an agreement not to, you know, dis- disseminate any of the stories <laughs> I say. You know, I got to, you know, I, I, I will I disallow a, anything you Right. Today. Anything I say, I didn't really say it. You know, it's not on tape, so don't make stuff up. But I think that's what it's all about. No matter what, anytime you're doing a charity event, it's all about the charity itself. And uh, make sure we make sure these guys want to come back out and enjoy the event and donate to all the great causes. There's so many great causes that guys put events on for. And then, you know, me personally, when I'm doing events for my foundation, you know, I, I appreciate those guys coming out to my stuff. So I, I love going out there, talking to the people that they have out there at their events, and hopefully they'll get back and, and donate some more for all these great causes. Yeah, let's yes, talk man. about the Catch 81 Foundation because it's an incredible deal and you raise money for children's charitable causes in South Florida, which is a remarkable thing because you haven't pigeonholed yourself into one. That's a great point. We we started off, we were working with some great causes. We really were. Sissy Fibrosis and American Heart Association. But we wanted to really um, narrow down to you know more of the kids, single parent homes, teen moms and things like that, like my mother was. Uh, she's the one that really started the foundation for us and got us on that path of giving back to what uh, hits closer to home. Dude, we've been doing events for 28 years now. So now we've narrowed it down to doing a couple events a year. Uh, we'll do a, a book back drive like we did. We'll do a uh, Halloween event, which raises money, some funds for some schools down here. And then we'll do a, a bowling event in February that raises money. But bottom line is this. We find out whatever the need is down here. If it fits our mission statement, we'll do everything we can to provide for those those different organizations because honestly, they need more help than anything. So we'd like to find some of the more mom and pops that need help from us than some of the ones that don't. So that's that's what we like to do and give back to things that really, really, really hit home, hit closer to home. Tell me about what's going on with Halloween. Yeah, we do the Signature Grand Ghoul. That, that's our next calendar event. It's close to Halloween. It's a Monday before Halloween. And then President's Day weekend, we do our bowling event down here in, in South Florida at Spares. Those are our next two major events that we do to raise more funds to give back to the community. So would it be fair to say that you're more of a fundraising organization than a straight charitable organization? That is a great point there, John. We we will fundraise and then people come to us and then we'll, you know, if we need, if they need help or assistance with anything, that we're the, we're the people to call a lot of times. There are so many, there's so much need, man. And you can't yeah. help everybody. You can't help everybody, but we do our best to help uh, as many people as we can. If one of our listeners wants to either donate or find out more information, where do they go? They go to our website, you know, catch81foundation.org. And there's a lot of uh, information right there. Awesome. Interesting stuff coming up, but you know what else we got coming up? We got the six pack coming up. Is it like a uh, natural light or is it Budweiser or is it Pepsi? <laughs> this one's going to burn going down. Oh, okay. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. I'm ready. I'll be ready. We're going to ask you six questions. We're going to expect the first thing that comes to mind. Don't you dare even think about coming up with a thoughtful answer. First thing that comes to mind. Otherwise we're going to say, and okay. make you do it anyway. So we're going to yeah. do that in a bit here. Six Pack is next with OJ McDuffie. Don't you move. If your company stayed open during COVID, I have some great news for you. Government funds are available to reward companies who stayed open during the challenging time. Now, this is not a loan, and you do not have to pay it back. Your hard work to stay open could qualify you for up to $26,000 per employee at COVIDpayment.com. 
You heard that correct. Up to $26,000 per employee. This program is complicated, but nobody knows more about it than the tax experts at covidpayment.com. You pay nothing up front. They do all the work and share a percentage of the cash they get you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits and churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans. If you have five or more employees, let covidpayment.com help get you up to $26,000 per employee. Visit covidpayment.com. That's covidpayment.com. Covidpayment.com. Hey, we told you not to move. Whether you did or not, you're back. And that's all that counts. We are the Approach Shots. Time for the six-pack. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels, and I think I saw two people move. So what are we going to do about that? False start. <laughs> Ten yards. Flag them. Flag them. All right, OJ, it's the six-pack, and I'm so excited about doing this. So Juice, my man, you're going to have some stuff that you're going to have to maybe call some people out. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Six-pack for OJ McDuffie. You ready? Question one. You get to put together the OJ McDuffie football team. Who's your starting quarterback? That's an easy one because I'm not going to get in trouble with this one. That's Dan Marino all day, every day. That's it. I mean, that's a layup right there. You think you think I would not pick him? You know, Danny's my guy still. Even though that Pitt Penn State thing happened, he's still my guy and always will be. I was so hoping for Joe Montana or something just to start something. All right, that was safe. That was easy. Question two. How competitive do you get while golfing in an organized tournament? I am competitive in everything. I always know my first couple of holes, whether it's going to be competitive for me or if I'm just going to be out there just to have some fun. And usually I end up just trying to have some fun. So anything I play, I'm competitive in except golf after the first couple of holes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm always out there trying to win and play well. But in the day, my shot determines how much fun I'm going to have. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, let's talk about that. You get to the fourth or fifth hole. And you're playing like Tiger and you're like, yeah, I got this going on. Does that change things? Do you suddenly become less fun and more focused and you're not quite drinking so much? You're not telling stories so much? The drinking never, ever is a problem because my game couldn't get much worse at times. At the same time, though, if I'm playing well, my problem is this. I can't remember what I did a couple shots before that was so successful. When I hit the seven on the last time. What did I do to make it go straight? And this time I hit it. I'm, I'm a you know straight right. My muscle memory and my mind memory and I'm putting all that together is always affects my game. So it always starts off pretty good. And then my age, my body breaking down. So yeah, it starts off good most of the time. My body just does not remember what it did the whole or two before. That's the problem. Well, you know, when you hit it straight, what you did is you, you had the, the club face perpendicular to the target and you hit the ball in the middle of the club face. It's a simple game. That's okay? easy as hell. Yeah, I, I get it, John. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, that's simple as hell. It can't get much simpler than that. That's right. <laughs> Plus, when you get to the fourth or fifth hole, then you start thinking. Yeah. First couple of holes, especially if you haven't played very often. You just go out there and do what you do as an athlete. Then in the fourth or fifth, it's like, oh, I should put my foot here. I should swing this way. (laughs) And you start thinking, and then it's all over. Man, I hit a drive. My drives are usually pretty good. And then I'm up there thinking at the next, I'm like, you know, 80 to 100 out. And I'm like, all right, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. What do I do? I mess it up. Because if you had lined up wide out, and Marina's about to throw you a ball, and you said, don't drop the ball, don't drop the ball, don't drop the ball. Right. What would you have done? <laughs> right. That's, and that's one thing I never did because I was never worried about that. I, I play in front of 20 people in golf. It's way more nerve wracking than playing up in front of 100,000 people in football. 
10 people will mess up my game completely. Not that it, you know, needs messing up. It's already as bad as it needs <laughs> it to be. Sounds like we need to come down to South Florida and play. Let's do it. Please, please. Game. I need you. I need you. Yeah. All right. Question three. Who was the very best guest you've had on the fish tank and what made them the best? You know, we've had so many really, really good guests. Nah, um, ah, 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 ah. That's hedging. First okay. answer. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot. First answer. I'm going to go with Coach Mike McDaniel. And what made him the best was that he's so real and authentic. For us, it's hard to get a guest like that on our podcast. For him to want to be on our show meant a lot to us. You know, head coaches, their time is very limited. And we got about Mm -hmm. 30 minutes of his time. We really appreciated it. Question four. Some of the most incredible wide receivers in NFL history include Jerry Rice, Drew Pearson, Mark Clayton and Duper, Art Monk who followed guys like Jerry Kramer, Lance Allworth, Bullet Bob Hayes, Lynn Swan. So who were your heroes growing up? And did you pattern yourself after anyone? I, I love Drew Pearson. Drew Pearson was um, honestly, you know, being where I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, we only had three channels on the TV and the Cowboys came on one of them every single Sunday. So it was a, I was <laughs> a Cowboy fan and a Browns fan growing up. So Drew Pearson was definitely one of them. With that being said, also my Browns guys, you know, um, Brian Brennan, Eric Metcalf, who was a wide receiver, running back, return guy, was right. one of my favorites. Webster Slaughter. My, my Browns guys are always the guys that I grew up. It's hard for me to pattern myself after anybody because they all did something so different than what I did. You know, I returned kicks. I played more in the slot. I uh, wasn't as fast as some. I wasn't as as big as some. So I kind of made my own niche, but I tried to steal a little bit from all those guys growing up. Interesting. I have a, a, a quick Drew Pearson story. I got to meet him in Dallas. We were at dinner. The guy who set up the dinner said, here's the guy you're sitting next to. And Drew Pearson turns around. And very rarely do those of us who have doing a lot of interviews go, holy crap. Yeah. But it's Drew, it Drew Pearson and I grew up a cowboy fan. Yeah. He looked at me and he was like, hey, nice to meet you. And, and I looked at him and without blinking, I said, Clint Longley. And he goes, oh, we're going to have some fun tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. For those of you who are not Cowboy fans, Clint Longley was the backup quarterback to Roger Staubach, who never played. So they're playing the Thanksgiving game against the then Washington Redskins, and they're losing by three or four with less than a minute left. And Longley is not the guy who's going to win you this game. But apparently a miracle happened because he drops back and throws like a 60-yard bomb, goes right over Drew's shoulder. Drew catches it for the touchdown, spikes the ball, and the Cowboys win the game against their most bitter rival, and that's Clint Longley. He yeah. didn't do anything <laughs> else notable in his entire career. Hey, I tell you what, down here, Neil, we have the Earl Morrill story. You know, we mm. still go back in the 70s where everybody talks about Bob Greasy, but man, Earl Morrill is the one that really took over the, the helm once Bob Greasy got hurt that's right. and led us most of the way through that undefeated season and Bob took over in the playoffs and we continue that on, but there's, we know about him, but the rest of the world, like you're talking about, doesn't know about Clint. The rest of the world doesn't know much about Earl Morrill. So I get it. I definitely get it. All right. Question five. What is the single most embarrassing thing to happen to you on a golf course? I honestly, I was playing in the hoodie and the blowfish um, Monday after the master's event. And like I talked about the people that are there as, as, as spectators, Wrong idea when it comes to somebody like me that plays golf. I I literally almost killed somebody, um, you know, on, on a tee where they're lined up like a, they think I'm Tiger. I, I mean, I was looking at Tiger's masterpiece on Sports Illustrated that that photo, and all those people that are lined up along that, yeah, you know, along. The, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I would I would I would probably take out two or three people easily 
in that yep. shot right there. So yeah, it would have bust somebody's head. And uh, from then on, I was hoping they would never put me on the tee box or the, with spectators. And I'll tell them now to this day, make sure you're behind me. And you still might get hit if you're behind me. So it's, it's a problem. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Question six. And we ask this of everybody who comes on the show. Since we are the approach shot, OJ McDuffie, in your approach to life, what one rule do you live by? You know, I think it live it to the fullest. Be an honest person with everybody you're dealing with. And on top of that, go 110% in whatever you endeavor in. Don't just sit there and be with status quo, go above and beyond all the time. That's my approach in life. And I try to instill that in my kids and any kid I coach or, or deal with, put everything into whatever you're doing. OJ McDuffie, you handled it like a champ. I'm not surprised. I think we got some good stories out of you right oh, there, you, my friend. You guys are you, great, man. Finally, I'm glad we we're able to make it happen, John and Neil. You know, this is yeah, awesome, man. man. Thanks for still being available a year later. For sure. Appreciate for it. sure. I mean, this is my, this is what I love to do, man. I love to talk to good people. I mean, we got to get you guys on some, you know, from one of ours, hopefully. I know we're all dolphin centric with our content, but hell, man, I, I love talking about any and everything that people are doing, especially in this, in this space. This space is so incredible nowadays. The Dolphins are 2-0. and They won this past week again. This team looks like it's going to be the class of the AFC East. I wouldn't be surprised if, if a lot of people became Dolphin fans now or re-up their Dolphin fanage because <laughs> they're this good. We've got limited room on the bandwagon right now, Neil. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> we got limited room, so they better get on now because we're not going to accept them halfway through the season. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Oh, Jay McDuffie, thank you so much for spending time with us here in your pro shop, man. Thank you, guys, man. It's been awesome. I can't wait to do it again. Attention Medicare recipients and anyone turning 65. Medicare has approved new benefits not included with original Medicare and older Medicare Advantage plans. You may not be getting all of the benefits you're entitled to, including in-home aids, telephone appointments with your doctors, home-delivered meals and prescriptions. These benefits may be available and it's a free call to enroll. The new plans may also offer free eyeglasses, free hearing aids, free wellness visits, and gym memberships. Call the Medicare Benefits Line now. It's easy. Call 800-683-3822. 800-683-3822. Find out if you're eligible for new benefits like meal and prescription delivery, in-home aids, and telemedicine. Some plans may have a $0 monthly premium or zero copays for big out-of-pocket savings. Not all Medicare Advantage plans are alike. The new plans have more benefits for many people. Call 800-683-3822. 800-683-3822. And we are back. The Approach Shot. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. And and I got to tell you, it took everything in my being to not say to him when he was talking about drinking on the golf course. So you drink like a fish? See, that's why I didn't do it. Thank you. Dad jokes from Neil Michaels. The book is coming out soon. <laughs> yeah, how he was talking to me, and we we talk all the time about disappointing teammates when you're playing in a scramble when you show up and they they assume your reputation. Yes. But my co-host on those weekend golf guys, Jeff Smith, one of Golf Magazine's top 100 golf instructors, was playing in a pro-am at okay. the club in Colorado he works at during the summer. All and right. of course, the guys on the team were ecstatic. Yeah. Because Jeff, the guy who's taught them all how to play golf so well, is on the team. In his own estimation, T to green, he was fine. Okay. But he but he added it up. 
that particular round was the ninth time in a year he had played golf. Really? Yes. He's always working, teaching. He's never yeah. out just playing. You know, okay. like he says, when you play golf, I play for free, but it's not free for me because it costs me money because I could be making money teaching. Okay. I followed all that. And then he also says that it's true that even for someone who, who teaches golf, if you don't play often, you lose your touch. Oh, I'm sure. And he was three putting all over the place. Wow. Wow. He shot an 80. Which for you and me would be like we'd, we'd throw a we'd party. Be, we'd be celebrating. Yeah. 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 He is an 80 and he hung his head and shuffled off the course. You know, what's interesting is when we talked to Leroy Irvin, he said he doesn't play as much as he'd like, but he gets out and he goes to the putting green and just putts for an yeah. hour at a time. Yeah. And there's a course that's uh, two miles from my house and it's a, it, it's a great little par three. I mean, they have some challenging holes, but there's a putting green there. And there's almost never anybody there. So I've started doing the same where if I've got an hour or so, I'll just drive over there. Doesn't cost you anything. Get right. out and I'll go out there for a half an hour, 40 minutes and just putt so That's that fun. when it's time, the feel is there. That's so interesting that you use that word mm -hmm. because it is the feel. It, it's it not. Is. Can you read the green properly? Sure. But all of the things that we all know, but if your hands and your brain and things are, are just not in sync, you're not going to putt well. No. In fact, one of the questions Jeff will ask when he takes on a new student to assess where they need their help to begin with. And mm -hmm. he says, most, most golfers, most amateur golfers need help in their short game. That's right. where all of their extra score comes from. But he will ask them point blank, how long is your second putt? Interesting. That'll tell him everything he needs to know. I played with a guy named Dan McGlone, who was uh, speaking of Canon, he worked at Canon in Atlanta and he was a scratch golfer. I, I remember him walking up to me one day when I was at the driving range and I was hitting, you know, bomb after bomb with, you know, a driver or three wood. And he goes, so what are you doing? Is that how you play? And I said, what do you mean? He said, do you just hit tee shot after tee shot after tee shot? And I said, of course not. And he said, right. well, then you ought to practice like that. Yep. And he said, in fact, you ought to hit a handful of drives and then put the driver away because you got that down. What you ought to be doing is an awful lot of eight, nine pitching wedge and see how close you can get to the pin. Right. Because it's a lot easier if you can get on the green and then one putt or two putt. And then he said, have you ever heard of the apple bucket method? That's where you have a really long putt. And instead of trying to make it, you pretend there's an apple bucket where mm -hmm. the hole is. And all you're trying to do is hit it where the bucket would be, meaning that you're going to have a three foot or less second putt. And if you do that for every putt, even the three or four footers, 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 if you <laughs> don't stress about putting it in the hole, just try to get it close, stop it at the hole. You're going to find that you sink more putts. That's interesting. I've never heard that. Because your stop stress level hole. is much less. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's yeah. why. People go to those weekend golf guys and listen to Jeff Smith, one of the top 100 golf instructors in the country. There, I did the promo for you. Thank you, sir. Next week, we have yet another fantabulous guest from the world of sports, entertainment, announcing, music, something. When we find him, we'll tell you. <laughs> exactly. Because he's like that. I have been pursuing a former Major League Baseball player for months trying to get him to come on the show. And yesterday 
he committed to coming on with us in the month of October. That, I think in in our terms, that's dangling the carrot. Consider yourself dangled. There you go. And and please do go to uh, where, wherever you download your podcast and do us a favor and write us a review. Give us a five-star rating. Also subscribe if you go to the website, which is approachshot.net, not the approach shot, because yeah. why, John? We lost our the. Somebody stole our the. Yeah. So uh, approachshot.net, you can get any of our previous shows, listen to some of the luminary guests we've had on, uh, but definitely do go give us a rating and and write us a review and let us know what you think. If you love us, great. If you don't love us, tell us that as well and tell us what you think we should do to make it better. All right, then, until next week. And we are The Approach Shot. We thank you for listening. You've been listening to The Approach Shot with the Weekend Golf Guys. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcast and find us on the web at ApproachShot.net.